Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He goes, if he has autism, like maybe he shouldn't be in this environment. I would snap him, Nick. Like. She is not interested in meeting with the opposition and she is hiding from the issue. It's so important that people are critical of what they see online and check people's credentials. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Morning. There's a very big story breaking uh, from uh, Thailand. Shocking story. A mass shooting at a child daycare center. 30 people dead. You'll hear more about that during the course of the morning, I suspect. And as soon as we have more, we'll bring it to you. Good morning, Thursday, 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. Also coming up today, how a double-barreled surname could be awkward if you're trying to fly. Uh, And some advice for people who have double-barreled surnames and are trying to book flight tickets and have passports and all that. Just, it's after costing one listener an awful lot of money. She'll get it back, but it's after costing her an awful lot of money. That is to come, but first, a shocking story that broke yesterday afternoon of a stabbing, a fatal stabbing at a cemetery in Kerry in the course of a funeral. I was going around and this story was on the news behind me and I said, did I hear that? Did I hear that correctly? That a man had been fatally stabbed at a funeral in a graveyard in Kerry and his wife was in hospital with serious injuries. The man has been named now as Tommy Dooley. He was 43. And this morning, another man in his 30s, I understand, has been arrested uh, let me uh, talk to Ralph Regal, Southern correspondent of the Irish Independent, who can bring us up to speed on this. This happened around midday yesterday, was it, Ralph? Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Yeah, that's correct. It happened just around midday at Rathas Cemetery uh, in Tralee. Now, maybe those not too familiar with Tralee, where, where this is, is directly as you're coming into Tralee, say, from the 
the Killarney side or the Castle Island side, uh, you're coming in, there's a couple of fast food restaurants, there's a car dealership, and essentially to your left is University Hospital Kerry. Yeah. On the right-hand side of the road, there's quite a large cemetery, and that's actually where it happened. And what Gardy fear is that this was very much an ambush-style um, incident, whereby the, the, the funeral, it was that of a, a young mother of five. Her funeral cortege had just arrived at the cemetery. It had gone to the graveside, and just as the actual burial part was starting, um, it appears that Tommy Dooley was approached by a number of individuals. Um, an argument, uh, disagreement erupted, and without provocation, he was suddenly attacked and stabbed. And now his wife um, realized what was happening, and apparently she very bravely went to his aid, and she was stabbed as well. Now, at this point, other mourners realized many mourners ran from the scene um, in fear for their own safety. <clears throat> a large number of individuals left the scene. Gardy arrived. They found Mr. Dooley in, in a pool of blood. Um, paramedics desperately tried to stabilize his condition, but tragically, he died before he could be transferred to University Hospital Kerry. Now, uh, Mr. Dooley's wife was also injured. She was transferred to University Hospital Kerry. We understand that she underwent um, surgery yesterday evening, and I'm told that her her condition is now stable and that uh, her, her, her injuries are described as non-life-threatening. But a major guard investigation, obviously, it's quite a shocking incident in the middle of the day in the middle of a busy Irish town and worst of all at a funeral yeah. um, so what Gardy have done is there was a number of searches conducted last night PJ um, both in Kerry and in Cork and we're just learning in the early hours of this morning a man in his 30s was arrested at an address in Cork now he was detained under section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act of 1984 and he has been transferred to Tralee Garda Station where he's now being questioned about the, the violent incident mm -hmm. that led to the death of Tommy Dooley. And of course, what's also going on in Kerry today is there's a full post-mortem examination yeah. being conducted at University Hospital Kerry. Do we have any idea, I know there's some newspaper speculation this morning, but do we have any solid idea, Ralph, of the motive behind this? Um, Gardy are considering a number of different theories, PJ, and what they're satisfied is that this is not a feud-related incident, and what they believe is that this is down to a personal disagreement, or more likely, some type of perceived insult or personal slight. Now, th there's a lot of speculation in the papers this morning, Gardy aren't commenting on that, but certainly that is one of the theories that's being examined. And what also appears to be the case is that a number of the individuals who confronted Mr. Dooley at the cemetery were known to him. I see. Now, Tommy Dooley lived in Killarney, but had also lived in Cork at, at some point in his life. He had spent some time in Cork, of, uh, that's right, and he had a lot of connections to Cork. Um, he was residing in Killarney, and as I said, th th this young mother of five who had tragically died, she was living in Killarney, but she was originally from Tralee, hence that's why the funeral took place in Tralee yesterday. And one of the things that Gardy are now investigating as well, PJ, and it, it's, some, it's a matter of quite great concern for them, is that Mr. Dooley may very well have been targeted, and that this was very much an ambush style attack by individuals who knew that he would be at the funeral and at the ceremony and that that afforded them an opportunity to uh, confront him and attack him. Now, I'm, I'm, I don't want to push you to speculate. Is, is that a suggestion, Ralph, that what happened was not connected to the funeral directly? Oh, oh there's... Yeah, there's there's no connection to the actual funeral, oh. um, certainly in terms of um, the individuals. It's simply the fact that apparently 
individuals believed that Mr. Dooley would be at this funeral because of the acquaintance or friendship with the, the bereaved family nice. and that it simply afforded them an opportunity to confront it. But there's no suggestion at all that the, the funeral was in any way connected to the incidents yesterday. It was simply the fact that Gardy believe it afforded these individuals the opportunity to confront Mr. Dooley at a time and place that suited them. I'm, I'm glad you clarified that for me and that you're able to do so, Ralph. Thank you very much. We also have a man in custody now, arrested in Cork this morning. Uh, that's Ralph Regal from the Irish Independent. Thanks, Ralph. A man in custody in Tralee now, having been arrested in Cork this morning. man in his 30s being questioned under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act. He can be held until sometime tomorrow. Then he must be brought before either brought before the courts or released. You know the rest. And it's one we will follow. A strong Cork connection. The arrest in Cork. Tommy Dooley had lived in Cork for some time. But there is no connection, as Ralph has told us, no connection between the funeral and the motive for what has happened here. Other than it would appear that the people who ambushed Tommy Dooley knew he'd been there, knew he would be there 0818 96 96 96, we had a good conversation yesterday about codeine and codeine addiction and we were referring to the primetime program on RTE the other night, which I know a lot of people went back and looked at on the player, it's, it's still there it's a very sobering uh, program Hi PJ, thank you, a very interesting item on codeine Apart from Dope Sick, which is a great television show, a very interesting and essential book to read if you or anyone in your family is battling a long-term illness is a book called Sickening by John Abramson. He's originally a family doctor. He lectures now in Harvard Medical School teaching healthcare policy. But as an unpaid consultant for the FBI and Department of Justice, he has revealed some shocking truths in this book about the double-blind, placebo-controlled clinical trials and what they call pharmacological bias. That's a book I must download to the Kindle and never read of. Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. St. Luke's Charity and Home will host their annual lunch fundraiser on Thursday the 13th of October at the Maryborough Hotel. Celebrating their 150th anniversary this year, St. Luke's Home is one of Cork's oldest residential care homes and specialised in dementia care. All funds raised from the event will go towards supporting St. Luke's services and in particular the dementia unit and the local free community dementia service. For more information on the event and how to donate, visit stlukeshome.ie. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Something else we'll be looking into this morning. What's the story with our Christmas lights in Cork? They normally go up around the end of November. Uh, but there's doubt about whether they'll go up at all at this stage. Or if they do go up, what structure they'll have. Or whether they be just on for a few hours a day. What's going on? There's a bit of confusion among traders and worry and concern about traders. One trader has put it to us that Cork without Christmas lights would be like Venice without the gondolas. So we look into that one a little bit later on the opinion line this morning. Also, we got this yesterday. I must apologise. I said I was going to read it and then never got to it. We got busy. This is to do with the concrete tax, which is still 
a hot topic of conversation politically. It's the one thing that came out of last week's budget that people kind of said, what the hell? This is a 10% levy on concrete to pay for, or at least go some way towards paying for redressing the mica problem up the country and the pyrite problem and other such. And I kind of billed it last week as the garden wall tax because if two fellas want to get together and build a garden wall between their two houses, they have to pay that tax. And I don't think that's at all fair, that they should have to pay an extra tax because some builder walked away from a mess, a disgraceful mess, up in County Donegal and places like that. And as I said to you yesterday, I've been to Donegal, I visited these houses, I found one that was abandoned, I went for a wander to see, could I see what it was all about? And literally the thing comes away in your hand. If you can imagine that stuff people put flower arrangements into, you know that green stuff that people put flower arrangements into, you can press into the wall of a mica house like you can press your thumb into that. Some of them are that bad. But should we pay an extra tax on our little bit of DIY to supplement the, the builders who, who left a house like that? Or should they be gone after the builders? Michael emailed to say it seems the government are once again taking the easy way out by lumbering the taxpayer with a cost relating to the mica and the pyrite problem. Homeowners should and must be compensated. It seems the producers of the product and the builders who used it are getting off the hook here. I recently heard a representative of the Building Federation say they trusted the suppliers. I wonder if these builders ever heard of the term quality control when purchasing items. It does seem like letting people off easily. If you and I are paying extra for the bit of concrete we use in our garden for a little small job uh, but they can just walk away because that is how it seems to me I don't know how it seems to you 0818-969696 Rachel, let me get this right you're on your way to, to Thailand but the trouble started when you were trying to board your flight in Dublin Good morning Good morning, how are you? What happened, girl? You've been through the wars. Oh, have I what? <laughs> yeah, upon checking, I'm there with, with my, my my family are Thai first off, so that's where we're going to Thailand after the COVID war we've been through. Yeah. And um, so I have a two-month-old, a 22-month-old, and a six-year-old boy, and I was going with my husband as well. And upon checking, she said, your name's incorrect on the passport on your ticket. You can't fly. I right. said, what, what do you mean... Um, my name is a double barrel name it's um, Long O'Sullivan okay. and um, at the time when I was booking on the Qatar website it wouldn't enter all the characters into the box so I actually because there's so many kids you know I can't be looking up these things online so I rang them yeah. I rang customer care and I got through to one of the representatives and she said you put in your initials and I said to this woman on the phone I said are you sure that this is what I do I said I'm travelling with my young children I said and I can't have any issues at the airport said, yeah, and I've double-checked with management, that's what you do. You just put in your initials if all your characters won't enter into the box when you're paying online. So and this was at check-in on the Qatar website for your flight, yeah? Not at check-in, that's when I was purchasing the flight. Right. So um, that was fine, and I ran off the phone because there was only, it said online, there was only three seats left, so off I went, paid for the flight, everything was done. 
until I went to the airport and they had said, no, that's the incorrect information. We can't accept that. And I said, I've been told by the Qatar representative online that that's what I do. No, sorry, there's nothing we can do. Their problem was with the fact that you're presenting with your passport and I assume you're trying to check in for your flight and the Qatar booking form has you down as something different. Not even different. My initials for my surname. Right. So my first name is correct. And then my initials for my surname is L-O-S. Yes. So you're there at the desk in, in Dublin Airport with your kids around you. <laughs> yeah. What happened? So I, what? After getting a bus from Cork. Oh, you? God. What happened then, Rachel? Then they sent me over to customer care to see if they can edit my name. So off I went with a bit of hope over there to see will they change my name. The man there said to me, no, sorry, we can't change your name because we can only do a name correction, which is three letters, instead of a name change. That would be a name change. Okay. Right. I said to them, but my surname, I said to them, in the letters, there's L-O-S. They said L and O is for long. Can you add on an N-G? And that's me done. No, sorry, we can't do that. Okay. So what happened then? I, I stayed there for hours, and uh, between the between them, between the air hostesses, between on online Qatar, trying to change the error that had been made, trying to just change my name, and after everything, um, they just told me it was impossible. So then I was trying to purchase a new ticket. All I was thinking about, okay, my family are allowed to fly, and I'm not allowed to fly. What do I do? Hold on. So, so your husband could travel. They said to me, your husband can travel and your child and one of the infants can go and you can purchase a new flight for tomorrow. Yeah. But you see, my husband is high. He doesn't speak English. He can't travel on his own. And also my infant that's sitting on his lap is breastfed. So she can't go without me. I see. I see. We couldn't have been split up. And Rachel, how, how are the kids through all this? They're obviously upset. Oh, well, they saw us extremely upset, frustrated, like, like shocked with all the news. And then they were, they were all over the place. They they were tired. They were hungry. They didn't know what was going on. They saw me on the phone, off the phone, going here, going there. They, they were all over the place. So where, where are you now, Rachel? So right now I'm in um, a hotel near Dublin. Uh, airport. I'm in the Clayton Hotel. And and where are you going from here, as it were? Because this problem has not been sorted out. We have a flight, which is after costing double of the original flight. <sighs> How much have you spent so far? So, so in between all that, there was another flight as well, which was wrong. So in total, it's twelve thousand five hundred and sixty euro. Stop the lights. So you had the first flight, which you couldn't go on. Then you booked a second flight, which you couldn't go on. And now you have a third booking made for today, Thursday. And how did you sort the names out with, with that flight? Simply, I was able to put Long O'Sullivan without any spaces, and it went through. But hold on. This is the airline that wouldn't take Long O'Sullivan initially. Yeah. Well, without spaces now, they'll take me. So, Long O'Sullivan all together with no spaces in between. But sure, why the heck couldn't they have said that here the first time? 
that would have solved your problem from day one. I know. Wow. At least you're going to get flying. You'll get there. But you're you're down a lot of money. Hopefully you'll get some of that back, will you, Rachel? For the first flight, they're going to refund me um, 2000 of it. I paid three. They're funding me two. For the second flight, I paid four and a half, and they're refunding me three and a half. Okay. So I'll get I'll get five and a half thousand back. Right. But I'm still paying six thousand nine hundred for flights over and back to Thailand, which initially cost me three two. Crikey! And you've had to take the expense of a hotel as well on top of that. Yeah, have I what? We've had to book like it's not worth putting my children through all the trauma of coming all the way back down to Dublin. Like it's really anyone with kids would understand. Like it's so hard to go anywhere to travel with kids or you have to feed them you have to change their nappies like it's just not easy it's not like an adult going to hopping on the bus and going back home you know everything has to be in order yeah and you're breastfeeding on top of all of this yeah yeah in between yeah was it just a holiday you're going for yeah yeah well my husband's family are over there and they haven't met our new baby our two months the baby is two months old okay so we're going over to, to see family I see have you been there before with him? Yeah, we lived there before. Oh, see. And, and then, then we moved to Ireland, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Where did you, matter of where did you meet? How did you meet? Uh, we met um, on holidays over there. How long ago was that? About five, five and a half years ago. So you'll breathe a sigh of relief when you get on that plane. <laughs> I don't know I'll be thinking of all the money right? I know you will but look you get you get most of it back but but certainly certainly it's a it's a lesson for people with double barreled names a lot of people have these days just stick the whole lot in as one long name uh, yeah with no spaces in between or the fella this morning look I don't know who to believe anymore to be honest but the fella then this morning that I went to visit said to just put one of your surnames in. Yeah. Apparently one surname is fine, but it doesn't say that on their website. Yeah. Do you think it might be better, Rachel, to put travel documents into just one name and maybe for the future just travel under one name? Might that be better? Yeah, well, you see, yeah, most definitely if that's possible for anyone to do. I haven't changed my marriage name yet. Yeah. And I was only talking about it the day before we were set to fly. I said, I have to change that name. And I swear to God, if that was done, it would have made everything a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, because I think of people with double barrel names after marriage and passports in the old name and documents in the new one. And you've had a lesson in just how much of a nightmare that can turn into. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I wish you a safe flight with the kids and, and your husband. How long are you travelling for? Thanks. Um, we'll be there for two and a half weeks. Okay. Well, enjoy that. Safe journey. Yeah. You'll be there in time for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Rachel, <laughs> safe journey mind. and thanks for talking to me. Thanks very much. Take care. Thanks, Rachel. It, it opens just in my mind the whole double-barreled name thing. You know, I mean... Like... <sighs> I know some people take on a double-barreled name after they get married for whatever reasons best known to themselves. That's fine. It just... I always kind of figured it would get problematic someday because you've got stuff in your own name, your born name, as it were, 
you've got stuff in your partner's name, you've got stuff in a double-barreled name, and it causes problems. And some of the double-barreled names, I'm sorry now, but some of the double-barreled names you hear around there, around the place are a bit of a mouthful. You know, I mean, Mach Dunnacha Omahuna was one I heard recently. I'm not joking you. Mach Dunnacha Omahuna or Mick Mahuna or whatever it is. Like, they're getting a bit... <sighs> bit of a mouthful. 0818969696. Fiona says, My grandchildren are called Hanlon Moon O'Regan. Hanlon Moon O'Regan we give in their last name O'Regan and they can never be found it happens a lot not just at airports but doctor surgeries and everywhere it's chaos I often wonder though what it is about double barrel names why people do do it because you don't have to I don't know where this thing came from you do not have to take your partner's name after you marry there's nowhere in law says you have to do that. The whole married name thing is just a custom. You, you don't actually have to take your partner's name. So there's no need for double barrel names. Do you keep your own name? Keep your own name. And make a decision on the children. 0818 96 96 96 to the Christmas lights and whether we'll have them next. Turn all the way up. Or does it really suck? Straight to the dance floor. Or totally ignore. Top of your playlist. Or will never be missed. Right now. I want something new. Choose the music on Cork's 96FM for the chance to win 1,000 euro. 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 boom like that. Have your say on the Munster Music Survey. And the cash could be yours. Go to 96FM.ie right now. Click the survey link and tell us what you think. Right now. The Monster Music Survey. Do it today. And you could win 1,000 euro. Win 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. See 96fm.ie. Courts. 96fm. So, traders are calling on the City Council for a firm commitment with regard to Christmas lights. Um, normally, the council start putting them up maybe late October. Uh, maybe mid-October even and they are on then in early to mid-November and we all know how wonderful they are and Casey and Ross have been out turning them on a few times over the last few years but with the energy crisis are we actually going to have Christmas lights? That question I don't think Kevin O'Hurley, President of the Cork Business Association I don't think it's actually been answered yes or no yet, has it? Good morning Hi, PJ. Good morning. Um, no, unfortunately not. Um, and as early as this morning, um, I put a call into the Cork City Council to see was there any update. Um, so really, we're all quite anxious at this stage to, mm-hmm. to get an answer. But I really would be confident that they will um, put up the Christmas lights mm-hmm. because, you know, from a business perspective, um, Christmas in Cork without Christmas lights is like Christmas in Cork without turkeys as far as we're concerned. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what is the commitment? Is there a commitment by traders or do the council do it all? Um, The council do most of it. Um, uh, I think pretty much most of it at this stage. There was a time when there was a couple of streets that were funded by the traders, but at this stage I think the council kind of cover most of it. So it's really the ball is in their court at this stage. So we're really hoping... And when would the work normally start? I'm thinking, what, this is the 6th of October. The work would normally start in about a week or 10 days from now, wouldn't it? 
Um, from what I can remember, I'd say it might be a little bit later than that. I know that the switching on is around the 15th, um, but they do, uh, the, the company that put them up really put them up very quickly. So yeah. I'd imagine kind of toward, just after the Jazz Weekend, uh, they'd be put, or around that time, they'd be putting them up. And once they've them up, then, you know, it's around the middle of no- November is the official uh, switching on. I see. And you haven't had a firm commitment yet from the City Council. They did issue a statement um, to us. They said Cork City Council notes the current commentary regarding Christmas lights in the context of the energy challenges. It's important a balanced approach is adopted, energy usage versus economic activity, and that all aspects of the provision of Christmas lights are evaluated. All Christmas lights owned by the City Council are highly energy efficient LED systems, thus their power usage is modest. Cork City Council will consider all of the above as we commence planning for Christmas 22, which merely states the kind of lights that they have, really. They don't tell us whether they're going to put them up or not. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, it's it's true to say that the LED lights are far more efficient than the other ones. I mean, Absolutely. our own central stores here, we have uh, LED lights throughout the, all the stores. The big cost for us in our business is the refrigeration. Yes. Um, so, like, the, you know, we did say to them uh, in a recent meeting that, you know, if there, if there was a consideration for switching off the lights early, earlier in night, at night, perhaps midnight or something like that, until uh, eight in the morning or something like that, then, you know, I think that'd be a fair compromise for the, for the traders yeah. as well. How are you doing energy-wise, Kevin? It's just going up and up, is it? Oh, it's a it's a bit of a nightmare at the moment, PJ. We're um, we're every day every day we're 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 meeting, you know, in relation to how we can cut things, uh, cut cut our energy bills. I'm looking at um, things at the moment now, like putting indoors into fridges um, to to save energy. You know, we're making sure that lights are switched off. Um, we're hoping to try and, even though it's 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 going up by two, three hundred percent or whatever it is, mm. we're hoping to try and make some savings on the other side by switching off lights. I'm just I ordered timers for one of my stores now the other day for the offices because it's kind of a um, you know people leave lights on. It's, it's human nature, I suppose, when when you're in a work environment. So all of that kind of stuff is happening. Um, but look, hopefully we'll ride the storm. We've ridden plen- plenty Indeed. of other ones, so that's really the hope Indeed. here. You pointed out also that even in the depths of the recession in the in the, the late noughties, 2008, maybe 2009, we had lights. Even when the, the city was, was crumbling and, and on its knees, we had lights. Uh, we're, we're not there. We're not, we're not crumbling at this stage. We are under pressure, though. That's true. We're definitely not crumbling. Um, there is... Plenty of um, funding, I would imagine, from central government with all the um, the extra revenue that they have, um, and hopefully they would give that to Cork City Council. But mm. I know that Cork City Council are under pressure with their own energy budget because you got to remember that it's not just Christmas lights that Cork City Council are are paying for; it's all the street lighting and all the other um, uh, expenses that they have, Indeed. which are obviously going to go through the through the roof, um, like for everything, you know. Yes, yes, yes. Just before I take in another trader's view, and I'm interested in, in listeners' idea, how, how would listeners feel about Cork City Centre without Christmas lights? I, I don't think it would be a nice idea at all. I can't bear the thought of it. That's, that's just me. But Kevin, looking at, say, Patrick Street, we all remember the conversation earlier in the year about the chap from CNN, Richard Quest, who, who wasn't very complimentary of the state of Patrick Street. And at the time, I could see his point. I see change happening. Is it is it happening yeah. quick enough? 
Um, well, these things all take time, PJ. But I mean, if you look at it, Debenhams building is up for sale and apparently there's uh, quite a lot of interest in that. I mean, if that's sold and that's developed, it's an absolutely huge site. So whether it's uh, developed into a mix of retail, residential, there was even somebody suggested a cinema recently. Um, so you've got that. The Savoy hopefully will kick on next year, the Savoy, the Savoy development across the road from it. Um, the Queensall Castle, which technically speaking isn't on Patrick Street, but up on the Grand Parade, there's been an appeal gone into on Tashka there. So hopefully if they can get that over the line, that will start um, uh, next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Finn's Corner is is in full development there with the, with the Dave Horgan developments Thanks. and builders. So, you know, there's there's a list. Um, obviously, Eason's reopened in the old Victoria Hotel building. I saw that. That's, That's really lovely. Beautiful building. And, fairness, and what's like, going uh, in? Is, is it a sports place is going into the old Eason's? Um, it's not. I think it's a clothes shop. Uh, the name escapes me now, but it's owned by the same guy that owns um, uh, Sports Direct, the That's guy the, that had Newcastle yeah. United, Michael, Mike Ashley. That's it's, it's, a, it's a closed brand, belonged to him. So yeah. they're, I think they're working away. I saw them the other day. They're working away on that. So, you know, there is quite, quite a bit happening, uh, quite a bit to go. The Quills um, building, as yes, I said, that's that looks really drab well. now, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does, you know. So, look, we're, we're by far, we're, we're not uh, over the line as regards getting Patrick Street back to the glory that it was, but we're certainly on the right road. All right. Okay, Kevin, thank you for that. And we'll talk again, hopefully, when there is a decision from city council as to what happens. That's Kevin O'Hurley, president of the Cork Business Association and, of course, operations director of the Hurley Centre Group. Let's talk to Pam O'Regan from... Savile menswear. Pam, as Kevin said, you, you just can't envisage Cork without Christmas lights, can you? Good morning. Hi, Peter. How are you? Good, good. No, <clears throat> no nobody can envisage that. And I'm, I'm 100% that that's not going to happen. I think something will be done. And I don't think Cork City Council would be that um, severe with this, you know. So I do. I definitely think that there's something will happen. And with the, you know, all the energy saving lights and things nowadays, um, it does give them options, you know. So we might have a wee bit of a restriction on time, PJ, but we have no issue with that. You know, if they go on a wee bit later and go off a wee bit earlier, you know, that's that's fine. Is it, no is it a bit problem. concerning that they haven't given a commitment, though? Alan? Uh, you know, no. <laughs> I think I think there's always a wee bit of game playing, you know. So um, I think deep down, though, and there's hearts and souls that after all we've been through with the COVID and everything else, they know people are absolutely, you know, wanting to get back to have Christmas. We haven't had proper Christmases for how many years now, right. PJ? So right. you know. That's it. I do. I definitely do. And I'm, I would be in complete shock if, it, if something didn't happen. Yeah. And it might be tapered back a wee bit, but mm. you look at we're might, all tapered might, back like, a wee They bit might turn them on a little bit later, turn them off a little bit earlier kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. And the retailers themselves will do a good job and they'll do their windows and they'll create their own warm environments, yeah. you know. Mm. And like at the end of the day, what is Christmas about? It's about environment. It's about children. It's about love, about joy. Yeah. Where, you know, People will come in the city centre, and as I say, some retailers are brilliant. They do a great job on their windows. Mm. And I can guarantee you, PJ, come into any of our stores on every other store, I'm sure, in Cork City, and you'll get the warmest welcome oh. and the biggest smile. I don't doubt and, it. You know, I don't doubt it for a second. And ready for it, PJ, because yeah. we all crave our customers, and we all crave people, and we do a wee bit of crack and a bit of a laugh. and. Yeah. That's what we'll generate. We'll, we'll come through the rear and we'll, 
we'll get it up and running for Christmas. There's no doubt about it. How, no how, doubt. how is business, Pam? I mean, I, I, business and, and, has been good, Peter. Business good. has been good. We can't complain. No, and I think all our other um, people in Cork City are saying the same thing. We had a good old summer, and mm. we the events are coming back. We're getting back into hey, we're going into party season, Peter. Yeah. Like, so there's, there's money about. There, we we know there that a lot is. of people put money aside during there COVID is. that were able yeah. to do so. But now <clears> there's <throat> also that fear of recession around the corner. Is, I know. Yeah. Yes. Is, is, is that affecting people's decisions? Coming down the track all the time. There's something coming down the track all the time. And if you put it on the grand scale of things and look at the awful war that's going yeah. on, I think you weigh up your pros and cons. And there's struggles for people, and there's no doubt about it. And PJ, do you know what? people were a hardy breed, you know. I, well, yeah. I was brought up a hardy way and you yeah. cut your cloth according to your measures, the saying goes, it's not always pleasant but at the end of the day, yeah. you know, there's it's, ways it's true you have to do retwist. A lot of know? the historical businesses there on Oliver Plunkett Street, should, should they, yeah. they came through, yeah. they yeah. came through yeah. fire and brimstone, they came through they repeated floods and, and, and kept yeah. coming back, yeah. which is very, yeah. very true. Yeah. Very, very uh, your energy time. bills oh. there. You have a big enough premises, Pam. Your energy bills yeah. must be crazy, yeah. are they? Yeah, you'd want to you'd want to cry, but you don't. But look at at the you know, you mentioned Oliver Plunkett Street, Oliver Plunkett Street, it's a fabulous street at Christmas time. Yeah. It's absolutely fab. The great atmosphere, you know. Yeah. And Casey's our neighbours up the road, they do amazing windows. The children come in and get photographed and everything. And there's a great old vibe, you know, and it's yeah. all about atmosphere and vibe and you know, we bit of music and or we all have to lift our hearts and we forget our troubles. Everybody's it's got true. troubles one way or another, PJ, you know. It's and, true, um, it's true. The, the outdoor you know, seating, I have to say, uh, it really yeah. worked in the summertime yeah. again. And yeah. even though yeah. the other day it was, and it's starting to get yeah. a bit colder now, people are still using the outside they seats. Are. They are, that's right. And it is fabulous and people love it. And as somebody said to me the other day, you know, all the outdoor seating, if you go away on your holidays or go skiing or anything like that, so you put on your woolly hat and your jacket and you sit out and you have your wee coffees and drinks and things like that, you know, so it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a big, big addition to City and we're, we're thrilled with it, absolutely thrilled, you know. Yeah. And we have a lot of people coming in for weekends and staying in the hotels and they're around City then and they're doing a wee bit of shopping, having their coffees yeah. and it's brilliant. There's a yeah. great old, old um, weekend break thing yeah. going on with hotels and that, you well, know. Someone in the hotel game was only saying to me recently, first opportunity I get, <coughs> would, I, would I mention this? There has been some awful prices that hit the headlines, yes. but yes. there's value yes. there if you go look for it there and go digging there for is. it. There yes, is value. That people there. have told me that, PJ. Yeah, they have. And like we have people, honest to God, no, I'm not messing. But um, I've had people in the store and they're down from Northern Ireland, you know, yeah. and they've come all the way down and they think that there's good, they've got good value anyway, you know. But. Um, the um, the weekend breaks Wexford, Kilkenny, all around, all over Ireland. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, here's so hope. like Cork City has something to offer. There's no doubt about it. You know, you'd be you'd and, be confident uh, then, Pam, that we will get the lights and we will have oh, them switched on. We will, PJ. We have to. There's no. There's, there can't be a no. And I think Cork City Council would would know that. You know, we'd all. We just have to march over <laughs> and sit on the doorstep. <laughs> and you know and what? Pam, no better like. woman. No better woman. <laughs> if she and had to. I've never done it in my life before in October, but happy Christmas. <laughs> Pam, 
You know what? I listen. You're 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 talking to the ultimate, right? Christmas geek here. So it's only seventy nine days. So happy Christmas to you. I see you too, Peter. And keep up the good work. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Pam. Pam O'Regan from Savills, uh, in Alder Plunkett Street. Yeah, you'd, you'd kind of hope that the council has the collective brain power to realise you can't leave us without Christmas lights. They might restrict them somewhat, but you sincerely hope that they won't leave us without Christmas lights. Come here, Premier League is back. Whatever about the Christmas lights, we have Premier League back this weekend at 96FM.ie with Trevor Welsh and the team. Just two games this weekend as opposed to the usual three. So they start at two o'clock, powered by TalkSport, on the app or online. Live coverage of Manchester City against Southampton, that's at three and Brighton against Spurs at half past five. Two o'clock this weekend, you're starting time for a Premier League Live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You're listening Saturday on the course 96FM app or at 96FM.ie. On double-barreled names, I was born with a double-barreled name 40 years ago. I've had to live with it all my life. When I got married, my wife decided to take my double-barreled name rather than add hers to it. Poor kids could have had three names. Nobody thinks of the poor kids in this one. Thanks, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. There was a great double-barreled name hit the headlines a few years ago. I'd forgotten about this until... Uh, was it Emer reminded me well ago? Uh, Murphy, a Murphy, married a stout. And they went double-barreled. Murphy stout. I mean, how cork can you possibly be? 0818 96 96 96. Some advice for uh, Rachel, who's after being caught for about 12 grand with a mess up on her flights. And she'll get an awful lot of it back, to be fair. She'll get a ton of it back. But I would say to that lady to follow up with the airline as she shouldn't be a cent out of pocket because one of their representatives gave her incorrect information. They recalled all, this is a good point, they record all calls. And there'll be a record of any online chat as well. So she should be able to submit that. And speaking as someone who, when my flights were cancelled in 2020, um, or rather I didn't travel in 2020 on a flight that actually went, and speaking as someone who then found what I thought was a way to do it through my travel insurance and followed that to the bitter end and plagued my insurer and plagued Ryanair, I eventually got my money back. So if you pursue it, yeah, I think you're right there, whoever you are. I think if Rachel pursues this, maybe go over, have your holiday, relax, get back, and then go after it. I think you're right. I think she will get it all back. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. I've got the only soundtrack you need on the radio in the afternoons in Cork. These guys will pop in. Hey, this is Becky Hill. It's Luke Capaldi here. Hi, this is Adele. Hi, this is Harry Styles. I've got the likes of Hosier telling me his favourite thing about Cork. Barry's team. I've got the happiest listeners. That would be amazing. It's not a bad way to spend your afternoon, is it? Oh, yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Let me show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Sky VIP. At Sky, everyone's a VIP. Visit the VIP section of the My Sky app to discover your awards. On Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? 
0818 9696 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The opinion mine with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96fm. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Another guaranteed opportunity to take part in Sun, Samba and Styles between now and midday playing a Harry song and when you hear the Harry song you know what to do uh, I'll give you advance warning of when that is coming but definitely coming between now and midday now last night I had two little bits of work to do uh, both of which well one was extremely enjoyable the other was very sad uh, I really enjoyed being in the library with the team from Waterstones and from uh, Mercy Press uh, and Marine Press and talking to the great Paul Brady about his book called Crazy Dreams which is a wonderful read and he's a lovely guy and told some stories and we had some fun uh, to launch the book in Cork so that was great and then I went home having thoroughly enjoyed that and thanks to my friend John Breen from Waterstones for inviting me to do that I went home then and I watched a film that opens in cinemas this weekend. Uh, it showed at the Indie Cork Festival last weekend and it opens in screenings around the country this weekend. And I cannot recommend more highly that if you take an interest in news and current affairs, if you take an interest in the history of the last number of years, if you take an interest in women's health, and if the name Vicky Phelan has ever taught caused you to turn up the radio or buy a newspaper or watch a television show, get thee to a cinema uh, this weekend and see this superb piece of work. I'm joined in studio by a man I've spoken to many times since the cervical check scandal broke a number of years ago and at this stage I think you'd consider yourself a fairly close friend of Vicky Phelan. Uh, Stephen T. Good morning. Good morning PJ, thanks for having me on. And thanks for being with us again. Uh, Stephen, of course, uh, lost his wife, Irene, to cervical cancer, and something that could have been found and cured. Uh, we'll get to that in a while. But uh, I'll start by asking, because she's not doing interviews to publicise this this film, um, how is she? How is Vicky? Yeah, Vicky's prior- prioritising her health, which is why she's not here. Like anybody that's going through cancer, or cancer treatments, it has its good days and bad days, but the fight is constant. And like as we know, Vicky's been fighting a terminal illness now since yeah. December two thousand and seventeen. So, um, but yeah, like Vicky, just uh, just a week and a half ago, had another dose of chemo, and you know, just found that tough. And she's yeah. just been taking it easy since. But you know, she's she's back on her feet again. But you know. I suppose like anyone, there's good days and bad days and all you want for Vicky is just to have more good and bad. Uh, quality of life is something she speaks about an awful, awful lot because it means spending more time with her family, her kids particularly. So, um, yeah, we wish her the best of luck. And I'd, I'd forgotten, actually, until I watched the film last... Lots of things I'd forgotten until I watched the film, that she was only given six months. That's correct. Nearly yes. five years ago. Yes, it was um, six... Like, when I met Vicky, it was in... Uh, when was that? The start of May... 2018 and you know like technically she only had like one or two months to live at that point mm. you know and it was because she refused chemo looked at alternative options and discovered this drug Pembro that is four and a half years later she's still around thank God you know wow. Wow. now we wouldn't be having this conversation Stephen if it wasn't for her interview and I think that's this is a deep dive into the cervical check cancer I think cancer scandal 
deeper than has been done before. I think deeper than has been done in news, deeper than has been done in newspapers and certainly on radio. And we wouldn't be having conversations like this if it wasn't for the fact that she said, absolutely not. I'm not taking this compensation and walking away. That's it. It goes back to the 25th of April, 2018. That was that day and those famous clips that we're all used to seeing now was when Vicky won that court case and stood outside the courthouse in Dublin that day and made that speech to us all. She was, um, you know, another person that had... You know, just one a, negli- a negligence case, but what really gripped the whole country about her case that time was what she also went on to do, and that was refusing to sign to sign a um, confidentiality or non-disclosure, and basically for the only reason that she knew she wasn't the only one who had gone through this, or she's not the only one who had audit reports um, buried in her medical files. They had discovered that there was about 16 other women just connected to her uh, records that were included in this. She never knew it was going to be, you know, over 221 mm. that time. It's nearly 400 plus now today. Um, but she never knew it was, it was going to be um, that on that scale. But what she did know was she wasn't the only one and that's what really gripped this nation, the courage and the bravery for, for, for Vicky, who only had a couple of months to live at that point, mm. was in an, an awful lot of pain, had just started a, a new drug, which she didn't know was going to work or not. It was complete gamble. And to be able to stand up and do that was, I suppose, the courage and strength that I suppose we're all in awe of today when, mm. we, when we hear her name, you know. Absolutely. And it was because of that conversation like Irene had died and you were getting on as best you could, you were avoiding any mention of cancer. And you just turned off the radio, didn't buy the paper. I was a shadow of my former self today, you know. It was nine months after Irene had died. I was barely coping, um, looking was after 35, my 35, Stephen, wasn't it? Irene was 33 when she got diagnosed, Thank 35 when she died. And at that point, I had a five and a, and a three-year-old. The boys, five and three, when Vicky was on the, the, the court steps that day. And, um, you know, I had a full-time job as well. So I was just juggling it all. And cancer, I was just didn't want to hear a thing about it. Mm. So when that story broke, and of course, if, like previously, when there was other stories of cancer in the in the, the newspapers or on the radio or TV or whatever, like, I'd just turn it off. I'd just done with this, you know. I had mm. enough on my plate. I didn't have a, time, a second for myself, and I was just really, really struggling. And then that's when, I suppose, Vicky... You know, blew the whole thing up in the air around this the cervical check scandal, and about a couple of days after that court case, we we learned that there were seventeen women who had cervical cancer, who was in the screening program, who had their slides audited, came back with different results, buried in the yeah. their, their medical files, and those seventeen women were dead. And it wasn't until I had stumbled across that by accident that I started to pay attention because there was far too many similarities in that story. Yeah. Minus the audit report, I didn't know about that at the time, but, you know, a woman with cervical cancer had died who had participated in the screening programme. Ticked all the boxes for, yeah. for what Irene had gone through, you know. Something that I'd never seen before uh, up on screen was these audit reports. And for people who haven't seen it yet, this lays it bare as it could ever have been. You got Irene's audit report and you saw it. Tell people what was on it. So... What you see from the documentary is just this one pager and um, in the middle of the page, I guess there's a bit of writing at the start, but in the middle of the page is the audit slide. So for the likes of Irene, there was two slides, 2010, 2013, with a line down the middle of the page. And on the left-hand side is the results that were reported back 
to Irene. So like Irene, like most women would have been invited to participate in the screening programme, would have gone to her GP, they would have taken the smear test at the GP, sent it off, and the results would come back to the GP, and the GP would inform other patients, in Irene's case, that, um, you know, your, your smear came back clear, grand, you're not due another one for another three years, and that's what happened twice for, for Irene. Um, but what the audit report showed was those results on the left-hand side, and then on the right-hand side, what happened after it was audited, and they weren't clear, either of them. And um, if either of those um, tests were reported correctly, um, Irene would be alive today. She would have had a minor procedure for the, for the, in 2010 and another procedure in 2013. If either of those results, it just, we just needed one to be read correctly and she would be alive today. And, and that is, the, I suppose, the reoccurring theme in, yeah. in the cervical check scandal with these um, and audit reports. And a conscious decision was made not to give you this information. Absolutely. So like, with, so what used to happen was when a woman got diagnosed with cervical cancer and she participated in the cervical check screening programme, it triggered an automatic audit of the slides, which we were never told about. So Irene, was, Irene would have said, um, well, how did this happen? I've done everything right. I participated in the screening programme. How did this happen? And the consultant would say, oh, there's limitations to screening. So we bought that. Um, Excuse, they, he went on to give, to give some sort of explanation for what limitations were and that was fine but Irene kept on repeating that question over and over again but in July 2017 on the 14th of July 2017 we were sitting in the CUH and that was the day they told Irene that there's nothing more we can do for you your cancer's too progressive we're stopping treatment and you have a few short weeks to live that was the 14th of July 2017 on the 4th of July, 10 days before that, this audit report was put into her file. We know this because there's a stamp on the date it went into the file. And that was the day that was put into the file. Um, no, The file that was sitting in the room with us on the day we were told she was going to die. And uh, no mention whatsoever at any point. The t- amount of time she asked that question, no mention. Oh, well, look, we can actually find out some answers maybe with this audit or you don't get you some answers on the screen. Like nothing whatsoever mentioned. This file just buried into the middle, or this audit buried into the middle of the file and notice said absolutely nothing. And it wasn't until Vicky, by pure accident, out of boredom, do you know, she always considers herself, in another way, like a, a bit of a nerd. She loves she loves dissecting and reading and everything else and researching the whole lot. And when she was bored anyway in the hospital in January, she had a file on her lap and she was just waiting for a consultant or an appointment or a scan or something anyway. Can't remember what it was. And she was just browsing through the file, just being nosy. Mm. And she stumbled across this page. Page two of two. Yeah. Do you know? You never w- found page one. God only knows where page one. Did you find your page no, one? Never, no, it was only a one page or photocopy that was in the file. And, um, you know, she just stumbled across this by pure and utter accident. And here she is being told that day she was getting six months to live. And this, this, this you know piece of information in her file that, you know, would have proven to her that her course for her future could have been changed, you know, wow. considerably if, if something yeah. was done here and nothing said. Yeah, and the very, and the very same. And I, I, you're even saying, I can, I can see it in your eyes. It's even painful to talk about it now and will be painful forever. This was done to you. This wasn't an accident. This was done to your it family, was done, Steve. and I think it's probably one of the things that you see in this documentary, you know, like I think Vicky's, Vicky. The documentary, it kind of tells three stories because you've seen it now. It, it's, it's, it's Vicky going through her treatment 
and you 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 see you're actually physically going raw. through the hospital and all that. Very raw. So very raw. raw. It's so real. And then there's Vicky, the mom, the, the wife, you know, the, the the family and the friends piece, and then there's the the scandal piece. And I suppose, you know, we it isn't just. Vicky or I or Lorraine or someone talking on radio or being in the news or reading it in the paper, you actually get to see all the little bits that are attached to it now for the first time. Mm-hmm. What the audit report would have looked like, you know? Yeah. And so on. And it's the deepest dive I think I've seen. Yeah. And you know, And it's utterly fearless. Utterly, utterly fearless. 100%, yeah. Um, it's just that feeling of anger at the end of it. That you mm. have oh, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. And I it's, don't want to spoil too much. For, but you will. You will be angry. You will be, I was very, very angry at the end of yeah, this. Yeah. Some people come through it and you realise just how enormous a part they played. Keon O'Connor, what a guy. Yeah. He's yeah. a listener. An absolute gentleman. Um, you know, I've, I've met Keen a, a couple of times now, and um, I remember the first time I met Keen was when Vicky and I were invited to the Public Accounts Committee back in May 2018. That was actually the first time I actually met uh, Vicky in the flesh. And we were at, we were, it was across the road from Leinster House, we were in that hotel Buzzwells, you know, mm. that, that famous one where they say all the big decisions of this country are made. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were there, Vicky and I were there for about an hour or two preparing and Keon O'Carroll comes in and he looks at me and he starts breaking down crying. Yeah. And he just says the words, I actually didn't realise you were that young. He's a guy that wears his heart in his sleeve. He's an absolute yeah. gent. And what he's done for Vicky... Um, was just incredible and he's done for lo- lots of other families as well but he's certainly passionate about this there, there's uh, one scene it. in the film that I, I actually had to pause it and go make tea yeah yeah yeah. and, and you see the emotion in him yeah you do, you, do well, yeah, yeah. you absolutely do another man that comes through that really got a hold of this for the women involved Gabriel Scali yeah yeah Dr. Gabriel Scali um, yeah another gent and really got um, emotionally involved in this mm. as well do you know you can see him getting cross Getting cross, and I think, like he and, and like Dr. Gabriel Scully has met an awful lot of the women and families um, that have been a part of this, and he's heard their individual stories, and is absolutely horrified by it also. But I suppose that's really what brings out his passion in this as well, because he really wants to, you know, what he did in the past about, about finding out what went wrong, but even just taking that extra step further and wanting to fix it as well and hence we had all these recommendations you know that, that, that he would have put and it's all part of the passion and yeah he yeah it's certainly something that we certainly felt was his passion throughout The politicians and the HSE are analysed in this how does Simon Harris come through it in your view? He was Minister of the He time. was Minister of Health at the time um, yeah I'm just thinking back now like it's nearly I'm trying to think back at the beginning it's four and a half years ago now I think I think he did all right. I think he stood up to the powers that be, like he would have been under immense pressure from the Department of Health particularly to do an internal review. And he stood up and said, no, actually, we'll do an external review. Mm. Um, He answered my cry for help, for support, for the family, for the children and for the women involved. And he delivered that. And he delivered support for the support group as well. So he did do his best, um, I suppose, where he could by us. Um, of course, he then would fall down the trap of the political side of things as well. Mm. But I think he did stand up to a lot of people that normally you don't see. Mm. And again, I, you know, it was like he's young. He's got a, a young wife also. Um, I think it was before they had their first child. So certainly every time I was meeting with him, I was trying to get him 
to relate to us mm. To relate to me. You're close enough in age, I think, aren't you? He's a couple of years younger than me. I wish I was his yeah. age now, but he's, he's still a few years younger than me. Yeah. Um, someone, and I, I've said this two or three times, and you, you, I, when you watch the movie, you'll realise why I keep coming back to this. Somebody decided to do this, Stephen, to Vicky, to Irene, to Vicky's family, to you and your boys, and to others. Somebody decided to do this. Has that person, have those people, in your view, been found and punished? Do we know who they are even now? Those individuals, no, not everyone. We might know some of the players in it, but uh, not everybody. And certainly, no, they they would they will not be punished. Um, How does that make you feel? Very angry, because it, in a way, you will never get justice for what had happened. And like justice being, you know, those being outed who made the mistakes. And, you know, I suppose some sort of accountability. And this is the, the long-going issue within our public service, that lack of accountability. And it's, you know, it's a conversation we can go on for hours. And then again, why is it done? And of course, it's a massive spotlight on women's health in general in Ireland. You know, like this country has a very, very long, deep history in failing women's health in, in Ireland. Mm. And, you know, there's more than one example. And when you go back to Dr. Gabriel Scali's um, report and what he highlights... Uh, why were the slides uh, taken out of Ireland? You can just look at the procurement process behind this mm. and where they weighed it on price. To save over, money in a recession. Save money and quality wasn't even on the radar. And that there is, to me, is the backbone of this. Mm. The lack of money in women's health and therefore you just look away from the quality and that's mm. where all of this fell are down there people, Are there people, and you don't, you can't name them, unfortunately, no. are there people that you would like to sit in front of and say, why the hell did you this, do this to us? Absolutely, yeah. I, I, like, how could you have made such a decision? What were you thinking? To take all of this out. Are, people, are, there, are, there, are there people whose names I would know if you, if you told them to me? Off the air, certainly. Yes, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah. There's, like the decisions would have sat with politicians you know, at, at the end of the day, who would have made that final decision. They were the ones that could have stepped in and stopped this. You know, like we had a screening program in Ireland where all the slides were read in Ireland. We had courses in universities to train people for this. All of that's been taken away. Why it's, what, the end goal is to get all these slides read in Ireland, but the problem is now is we don't have the, the staff to read these slides because we've stopped training people in Ireland. So now it's going to turn into like a five, six year process to bring it all home because you, you, it's, you could have a building tomorrow, you could have all the equipment tomorrow, but it's going to take years to train staff up to deliver that, That's anticipating my next question and almost answering it for me. Where we stand today, this could happen again. This could happen again. No, look, I think this, the, the, the screening program is certainly much better than okay. what it was. Good. And that's, that's, and now we have to say that, you know, screening, is very, very important. It does save lives. The screening programme, with its faults, saved an awful lot of lives. Yes. And, and then again, it costs... It's fair to point that out. Yeah, yeah, you have to. You have to be... You have to point that out. But certainly, when it failed people, it failed people when it didn't have to. People like Irene, Vicky, yeah. and so on. But it's certainly better. We talk about limitations of screening. The old system, 15 women out of every 20 would have been read correctly and so on and reported back. Five would have fallen into limitation screening. There's a new screening program brought in as a result of this scandal, which means only two out of every 20 women will fall into limitation screening because they've removed the human element from this. Mm. That's huge. And there's a double and treble checking. Absolutely. Right. And about when it comes to quality assurance, because if you remember, the HSC thought there was only six labs reading slides. 
were behind the HSC's back. There were 16. Yeah. They didn't have a clue. I looked at the screen and I said, what? You, you couldn't make it up. No, you couldn't. Yeah, and then there, in some of the labs, there was only one person on their own. God. With no supervision. So to say that there was quality insurance in place by our HSC, of course there wasn't, you know. Mm-hmm. And obviously that is certainly an improvement because the lab that's there today is being checked Good. on. Because I'm not going to make that mistake again. And, and that important. is certainly a positive. That's important and that's, a, and that's a change. Absolutely. Lastly, in the, in the time we've left, how are you and how are the boys? Uh, the boys are doing fine. Um, they're in, in school now like everybody else and life's returned to... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normal. Um, like any parent, I'm a full-time taxi driver now with all of the <laughs> extra quick everything just seems to come back at once so that eases off after about 20 odd years you know yes so I hear so yeah <laughs> and with rising fuel prices and everything else <laughs> when they just take up cycling or rollerblading <laughs> to get to these places uh, but they're doing fine um, you know they, they they have more good than bad days they get yeah. sad and you know even only up to last week still get sad over the mum but um, you know this is grief Grief is not a temporary disease no. or anything. It's a permanent state of mind. And yeah. of course, we'll live with that forever. Yeah. yeah. And as they grow up, you'll tell them everything they want to know. Absolutely. Yeah. And as they do, as they do grow up and their minds expand and, everything, and develop and everything else, they've more questions. You know, the answers you would have given them last year are no longer good enough today because, mm-hmm. you know, your seven-year-old who was once six has decided, oh, actually, you know what, I want more detail on that answer you gave her and so on. So... Um, and they re- and then they relive those emotions all over again with a little bit more maturity and so on and so on. So, so on, so on, so on. The film is, it is a masterpiece. It is, yeah. Uh, she's an incredible, incredible uh, person and I think this documentary cements her forever. It's great, it's, I think, what you see, you notice it yourself when you watch it, like it's in her words, it's yeah. her talking throughout. Yeah. We see her, um, you know, not just talking to talk, but walking the walk. Yeah, and, and raw. You see it very real. It's it's very real, yeah, very real. Stephen, please, when you are speaking with her or texting or whatever you do, please give her my personal regards and regards of the team that we're thinking of her. And uh, you've become a good friend of the show over the last couple of years. Thanks for being here again. 
Thank you very much. The film Vicky is in your cinemas this weekend. For goodness sake, don't miss it. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, and I just talking to Stephen there and thinking about the whole subject of, uh, of cancer and all of that. I'm reminded that our own very much loved Elmarie Maw uh, starts another leg of her cancer journey today. Elmarie put it on a Facebook last night. She's back starting chemo again uh, today. And we've every faith in you, Elmarie. And your radio family sends you love and to Connor as well. A bizarre story in the papers in the last couple of days. A guy the file has been sent to the DPP on allegations that officers in Port Leash prison incited some of the most dangerous prisoners in the country to attack their own colleagues. What a strange story. The man working on it is Mick Clifford, the examiner's special correspondent. A strange one, Mick. Good morning. Morning, PJ. How did this come out? How did this break? Uh, this is something that's been going on for a while, PJ. I suppose that the, the issue that brought uh, into the news this week was that the sending of the Garda file to the DPP, but it's something I've been writing about in the examiner for a while. Um, Basically, it goes back to 2019. A block in Port Leaf Prison houses some of the most, I suppose, notorious prisoners in the state. A lot of them would have been involved in gangland crime and that sort of thing. Uh, among them, Freddie Thompson, whom your listeners may remember was the man who was labelled Fat Freddie at one stage. He's currently serving life for murder and he was closely associated with the Kinahan mm. crime cartel. Now, it would appear to what happened, and there was an investigation into this, and a report was co- compiled into it, but three senior officers were uh, attempting to change the regime on A Block to make it less onerous, so to speak, in order to bring down detention and, you know, make it a more palatable place for both staff and prisoners. They wanted to do things like, for instance, introduce a library and that sort of thing. Some of the three junior officers who'd been there long term were resisting this. And at some stage, and this is according to a report that was compiled and it's known as the Nocton Report, these three uh, officers um, were talking to various prisoners, including Freddie Thompson, and giving the impression that the three senior people were people not to be um, believed and that they would lie to the prisoners and that the prisoners couldn't trust them. Now, that must be seen in the context of a prison. The notion of trust and giving your word to a, a prisoner by a prison officer mm. is sacrosanct in there. Um, as it was put to me by one fella, if a prisoner asks you for something and you tell him you can't get it, that's fine. But if he asks you for something and you promise you will get it, and then you don't, that becomes a massive issue mm. for that prisoner. You Never make a promise that. you might have to keep. Exactly. You can understand that in that kind of confined area where, look, let's face it, violence is probably around the corner at any turn. And it was in that environment that these three junior officers were alleged to have been been bad-mouthing and, and portraying the three senior men as totally untrustworthy who didn't give a hoot about the prisoners. What happened then was that Freddie Thompson made a complaint about this thing to uh, the prison authorities. And he, he, he suggested in his complaint and the subsequent evidence he gave to an inquiry that the way, in, he mentioned one um, 
prison officer in particular that was being spoken about in this way and he, he said that him being spoken about in that way could put his safety in danger if prisoners were to believe that he was as being portrayed by the junior man. Uh, so someone all, as dangerous as Freddie Thompson raises an alarm here. Yeah, and he wouldn't be the only dangerous individual in there, to be That's honest with you. And, and, yeah, and, and, and others others were subsequently questioned on it by this investigation, and some of them said something similar. And probably far more to the point, other prison officers were also questioned in this thing, and they also suggested something of that nature was going on. The ultimate outcome of that investigation was that Mr. Nocton ruled that um, this had been occurring, there had been resistance to regime, regime change, and these kind of things were being conveyed to prisoners by the junior officers. Now, that, as you can imagine, is an extremely serious scenario. And what ordinarily would have happened is that report would have gone to the prison governor and he or somebody he nominated would have taken disciplinary action against the junior officers. But what actually happened was the report compiled by Mr. Nocton did not go to the governor immediately. It remained in prison of prison service headquarters for over seven months. And subsequently, when the matter was to be decided for discipline, little more than a slap in the wrist was given and one of the reasons why there was not more severe disciplinary action was the passage of time. Well, no, the pa- time passed merrily on its way for the seven months that the report was inside in the prison service headquarters for whatever reason. Uh, that's the background. Now, one of the senior officers, two of the officers, by the way, haven't worked since. Yeah. And, and the prison has accepted that they were out on work-related injury which was associated with this. And one of them made a complaint to the Gardaí about this issue. The Gardaí interviewed... Now, the Gardaí, as you know, in terms of a criminal investigation, they couldn't take the Nocton report as evidence. Sure. S- similar to a tribunal, for instance. They you know, do their own they, they, do, they have to go away and do their own uh, investigation on it. They did that. Uh, they compiled a file, and that file is now with the DPP. What we don't know and, and this could definitely be something, is whether all of those who cooperated with the original investigation were as equally forthcoming with a criminal investigation, you know, that there's different things at stake and what have you. So we just don't know yet to what extent that file is robust or has presented anything that may lead mm. to charges that could be up to the DPP. So the next step is we wait and see what the DPP has to say and how long that takes is as long as a piece of string as you and I know. Exactly. Uh, we, we know that from a, a, a number of cases. I suppose you could say, most notably recently, uh, PJ, the, the, the case with Leo Varadkar, which seemed to be straightforward, but it took a very long time for that to, to come to fruition. And as we know, ultimately, there's no charge in that instance. But it, it can take a long time, and there's no uh, certainty whatsoever that the DPP would decide the charges are merited. Okay. All right, Mick, thank you for that, for bringing us up to speed with that fascinating and bizarre story from Port Leash Prison. Mick Clifford, special correspondent of the Irish Examiner. Thank you. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Renowned Cork songwriter John Spillane is set to release his new album In Another Light, recorded live with the Cork Opera House Concert Orchestra. John performed live with them and Paul Scanlon at the Opera House 
released last November and the full album features a mix of his classics. The album will be followed by his traditional Everyman Theatre gig later in December. Access all areas. Coming up in Collins later this month, the Remedy Club plays Sunday, October 16th with special guest David Murphy. And on the same night at Cork Opera House, Richard Hawley returns to Cork for a special acoustic solo show starting at 8pm. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Questions come in, this come in more than once now at this stage and the answer is yes. Is there a scam text going around about close contact allegedly from the HSE this is COVID close contacts I got one uh, late last night I didn't follow the link in the text just wanted to know yes 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 there is scam text going around purporting to be from the HSE telling you that you've been in close contact of a confirmed case and click on the link don't click on the link delete the text 0818 96 96 96 there are some things that you think because of all the years you've been talking about it that you've covered every possible angle I thought that too until we heard from Tasha so Tasha this is an issue that you're raising that I certainly had no idea existed with regard to assistance dogs you're getting an assistance dog for your own child but you run into a problem what is it the landlord won't allow the service dog on his property. There's no laws around that. So there's laws around, like, having service dogs on public places, but not on their own property. So if it says no pets, not allowed on the lease, then you're not allowed. And have you spoken to the landlord about the need for this animal? Yep. He said no. And because you're getting, you see, when you're getting a service dog, you're getting it as a pup. Right. Um, you have to train with the dog. Yeah. And there's no legal laws that he has to accept the pup because it's not fully registered, not fully qualified till the pup is 14 months old. Okay. And how old would the pup be coming to the house? I think about three months. Okay. And were you surprised to learn this? Yeah, 100%. I thought there'd be way more stronger laws on that because it's a service dog, it's not a pet. And you're getting it from Canine Companion? Yes. I presume they've been very helpful? Yeah, extremely helpful, yeah. Yeah. Now you were supposed to collect the pup this week, but you can't. Yesterday, Yesterday, yeah. So what happens now? Nothing. Um, We cannot get the dog. We, that's it. It's, it's amazing the way, like, they were able to say, no, that's it, and basically we can't. We can't do nothing about it. Because if we do get the pop, we're breaking contracts, and then we could be evicted and then be homeless with a special needs child. And at what point did you say to the landlord, we need to get this dog? About two, three months ago when we first started the application process. Okay. Because, you see, you're, you're, with the charity, they open their waiting list once a year. And then a certain amount of applicants then are picked out of a hat. And then you start the application process. So they check, they check everything. And then you go to certain handling classes and training classes and so on before you're even accepted for a pop. Yeah. So you have to go through the process of it first. Yeah. And I know that 
canine companion have been in touch with you to say, look, that is unfortunately the situation if he refuses to have the dog. They've also offered to talk to the landlord if the landlord wants to talk to them. Yes, but see, I don't think he will. Yeah. <laughs> he already said no. Just twice he said no on two separate occasions. And you have said to him, I presume, look, this isn't a pet. This is a working dog for, for our yes. house. I've explained everything to him. It's it's an absolute joke because in this country you can't get no services. I'm still waiting over a year for any occupational therapy, any psychology, any speech and therapy. I've got nothing and now I can't get a service dog for my autistic son. What can I get? How old is your son? He's five. And how is he in general? He's good. He's good. Um, we're lucky we didn't tell him about this because he would have been half walking. Sure he would. Sure he would. I'm I'm blown away here, Natasha. I mean, I'm I'm a long time covering this stuff, and 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 nothing surprises me anymore. But you've blown me back for six. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, and there's nothing we can do. And I have been trying to fight tooth and nail, and there's absolutely nothing that I can do. Really, it's like there's no help anywhere. So what are you going to do? Um, see. We have been waiting for... We're on the Cork City Council list for the last six and a half years now. Okay. And we're trying... We've explained to them the situation of this dog, that how much this will benefit my son for his quality of life. Of course. So that's our next step, is trying to get offered something by the Cork City Council. Right. Now, it's, they're, they're not telling us where we are in the list, the list that made public. They just keep saying the same thing over and over again. Keep bidding on CBL. I sent in medical priority forms signed by his GP and his private occupational therapist last March and they still have not been looked at. Well, you have to give up this puppy now and hope for another one. Yes, so I contacted my canine companion and they said that the last batch of pups is in two weeks' time and if we can't obviously get sorted by then then it would be next year. That's heartbreaking. Yep. So we're all very, we're all devastated now, to be honest. I can see why you would be. Tasha, thanks for speaking with me. I I don't know what to say to you here. This is just a ridiculous situation. Why isn't there stronger laws for kids that need these kind of things? Yeah. Why don't we have a leg to stand on? It's just another facility... That, that you can't get for a child that exactly. needs one. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tasha, and I hope everything goes okay in the future. Thank you. Bye-bye. Che- cheers. Cheers. <sighs> I thought I'd heard it all, but uh, they have a service dog coming for the family, for the child, and the landlord said, no, sorry, no dogs. Uh, even though it is not a pet, it is a working dog, an assistance dog for the... Nope. Sorry. No pets. And that's allowed. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Your thoughts are welcome. And if you think you might have a way to help Tasha or a solution for her equally, in fact, please let us know so we can let her know. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now back to lights and Christmas lights and whether we'll have Christmas lights or won't have Christmas lights. People fairly confident that the council will deliver, but the council not saying anything really in their recent statement. Councillor Jerk Johan from Glenmire, you have a solution. Morning. Morning. 
PJ, I think I have the solution there to save Christmas. Um, just briefly there, our, our, us councillors have war funding. Yes. And for those who don't know that, um, we're allocated €11,000 per councillor per year. Okay. Um, and we can spend that within our own ward at a maximum of €500 per organisation, be it men's sheds or residence associations, sports clubs, etc. So my, my, my thinking is that maybe as a once-off that us 31 councils might contribute maybe €1,000 or €2,000 from our war funding that might contribute to the, you know, get the lights up for Christmas. You say you hand it back to City Hall? Exactly, yeah. I wonder, would you, your colleagues be, be pleased about that? How I'm would sure they feel would. about that? I'm sure they would. So you're suggesting that the 31 members of Cork, it is 31 still, isn't it? <laughs> they, haven't, yeah. they haven't put another 100 in there since yeah, they yeah. merged the two. The members of Cork City Council would each take 1,000 or 2,000 out of their ward funds, hand it back to City Hall to afford the cost connected to the lights for this Christmas. Yeah, that's 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 my thinking, and you know, I, 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 I'm confident that all the councils would agree to that. And, and to be honest, no, PJ, I, I think City Council will do their best. Have you any because thoughts of bringing up a motion to that regard? I have. I've actually just emailed it in there this morning, so hopefully it'll be on the agenda there pretty soon before Christmas. It would want to be on the agenda fairly soon, all right. How quickly, how, how long does it take to get something onto the agenda, Ger? These um, days? Like, if you get in at this start of the month, you'll have it in for the next month's agenda. But look, those, those other avenues as well, PJ, you right. know, like, you know, you can bring it up onto any other business or to your own right. uh, ward meetings and stuff like that. Like, or, and in fairness, they, they are very good for, you know, picking up the phone and chatting okay. things through Blue on official as well, like, you know. It's, it's an idea. And if any of our, thank you, Councillor Jerkyohan from Glenmire. It's an, and many of our city councillors listen to the programme on a regular basis. I wonder how many of them would be willing to donate, say, €1,000 or at a push €2,000 from their ward fund to making sure we had Christmas lights for 2022, to make sure the bill could be covered. Any other councillors that listen to us interested in taking up that idea? Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. There's a story going around. I haven't seen the video but yet. But it seems this guy got a smack. Oh my God. He decided to do what... Some people do. I won't say a lot of people. So he's at a match, right, in a packed stadium, the Toronto Blue Jays stadium. 
and the camera hands around to him in the crowd and of course the girlfriend is next to him and he's got um, he's got a ring pop it's it's kind of pink those Haribo rings you know the ones that come in the bag those Haribo jelly rings something like that he's got one in his hand I hope to goodness he didn't take it out of his mouth he's got one in his hand and he turns around on camera to the girlfriend and he proposes to her with this Haribo jelly ring and she decks him one <laughs> she him a smack in full view of the stadium the camera and anybody who's watching oh, talk about not being sure of your ground before you step on it oh wait you'd die wouldn't you you would die oh wait one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. text to whatsapp oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. email is opinion at 96fm.ie email being the best way to contact us out of hours when the show isn't live on the air that's the best way to get us always opinion at 96fm.ie if you listen to our podcasts and we put up almost 30 of them every week including the full show every single day which is there for you by mid-afternoon and also our overnight show which is between three and five we squash it down to two hours uh, and that can be heard anywhere around the world or any time zone you happen to be listening on so if you want to contact us at any of those times opinion at 96mm.ie is always the best way to do it we'll get back to you ASAP now it's a very good time to be talking about Cork Airport because there's a lot going on up there. Tomorrow I'll be talking to their new head of communications, a man called Barry Holland, uh, to talk about the good news for Cork Airport. But recently Ryanair have been announcing new routes and it sounds like they might be announcing more of them. Um, and they are building a very solid operation, continue to build a very solid operation at a Cork Airport. And always anxious on a programme like this to talk up the good stuff as well as highlight that which isn't great. Let's talk to Jade Kerwin, who is the Head of Communications at Ryanair. And Cork, doing well under Ryanair's watch, Jade. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Good. Exciting times. You've got some developments coming. Absolutely. Um, so I suppose it's all kind of stemming off the back of the launch for economic report. Um, just give a bit of context to your listeners. Um, this report we launched um, basically was prepared by PwC, one of the consultancy firms. And what it's kind of done for us is it's verified our positive impact in the Munster region and the wider Irish economy as a whole then over the past 35 years. Um, so as you mentioned, obviously Cork is a fundamental part of our operations in the Munster region. Um, do just kind of, I suppose, give some specific calls out to Munster in general. Like we have been carrying uh, 3.5 million passengers who are in turn then contributing one, or 135 uh, million to the Irish economy at the moment. Do we have um, 50 routes um, from Munster? Uh, 25 of those are from Cork itself. Mm. Um, and we've been supporting over 3,000 jobs there too. So, Joe, it's all kind of good news. Um, I definitely think we've been. Um, Kind of even surprising ourselves then in terms of our growth in Cork. So we've carried almost um, 
two million passengers uh, per annum and that is looking at like about a 50% increase on the pre-pandemic kind of traffic that yeah. we're having so that's phenomenal you know it's probably the strongest growth we've had in yeah. the country um, as I mentioned we have 25 routes there at the moment again that's a 14% jump on what we would have had pre-pandemic and um, yeah more good news to come in yeah. the coming weeks as well it, it must be very pleasing to be able to tell me that things are better almost in Cork than they were pre-pandemic because they were fairly they were fairly hectic before it all happened Absolutely, and I think just um, like even the, the, the kind of numbers speak for themselves, the fact that we are able to um, grow our routes there. So we have three aircraft based there at the moment, which is significant again, and I all think that's a good um, kind of tell sign for growth. And uh, when we're able to put aircraft in there, because it just means that the demand is there, we're seeing it. Um, and as you say, I think we've had a turbulent kind of couple of years there so it's just about time that we're all getting back to a bit of kind of positive news a bit of positive growth and I'd say it's, it all comes full circle then Joy it spurs on more jobs like we announced off the back of our report that we are going to be um, increasing our passenger numbers from 20 million to 30 million across kind of on a national level yeah. um, but but what that means for us then is that we're going to be introducing 2,000 new jobs then as well there'll be pilots cabin crew engineers but again kind of across the country as well so it, it's all very positive kind of growth and obviously Cork is a fundamental part of that then as well We're all looking recently at what happened in, in Dublin Airport and, and thinking we need to get out of Cork rather than have to go all the way to Dublin. I know that because talking in previous years to, to Michael O'Leary himself and indeed to yeah. Eddie Wilson over the years and, and um, you might remember a man called Michael Cawley who was yeah. involved. Yeah. Um, all, it's, it's all about doing the deal with the airport for fees and, and usage of the, of the airport and I understand you're in negotiations to cut a deal that will bring more routes in. Yeah, so I suppose we, we're always kind of talking to Cork Airport. We would have a really, really good uh, relationship there. Rory, who's CEO, we would know quite well and deal with him um, quite actively on things. But they don't want to give anything away because we will be having um, a bit of an announcement in the coming weeks. Oh, so I don't really? want to, I don't want to spoil anything for um, customers. I suppose by prematurely announcing anything. But you would definitely sit tight, and all I'll say for the moment is I don't think anyone would be disappointed with the news. Right, because I know we heard recently about Newcastle and stuff like that. Yeah, so Newcastle and Rome are kind of two new routes that we have for the winter period. But, but you're saying there might be more? So I suppose we're kind of um, at the moment kind of doing the rounds on our winter schedule, but again, we'll be looking towards uh, summer beyond that then. So yeah, the, the proof is all yet to come. Oh, I, I, I don't suppose I could persuade you to give me a hint. More sunshine? I wish I knew myself, to be honest oh, really? with you. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't even know myself. It's all kind of um, lock and key. And the, the, the best thing to do about the head of communications is not tell them anything. Until they, <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know, I know. You know, but seriously, like... It's great to see because we were kind of looking at Cork and as someone who's followed the development of Cork right through from, from the 90s, from the days of the great Barry Roach and, and people like that. Yeah. Like, we love this airport down here and we wish it was used to its full capacity. Absolutely. Like even um, we were down again kind of announcing the, the Newcastle and Rome route um, where we were announcing our winter schedule initially. And I have to say, like, it's a seamless operation. So it was so, so easy to get through, to navigate through. It was a lot calmer, particularly, as I say, given the, the bit of um, kind of chaos that, uh, throughout um, the summer at the Dublin airport. Yeah, well, twi- complete contrast. Here's a statistic for you, Jade. Twice in the 22 or so years we're going on family holidays with the kids, twice I've gone out of Dublin. Really? Always um, out of Cork. Always out of Cork. 
because it's the best it's the best little airport in the world and the staff there are brilliant there was a tweet recently about a security staff asking a guy to take off his coat and then told him put it back on because he had a Kerry jersey on him it was during the GA so only in only in Cork will, will stuff like that so will stuff like that happen so you're all really excited about the future for winter and for next year out of Cork Airport Absolutely, as we say, kind of. I, I, I use the phrase where I say um, reflection always spurs on a bit of projection. I think having looked back on the past few years, um, it's really, really nice then to be able to look forward. And as I say, lots of jobs, hopefully increasing passenger yeah. numbers. And with that means that we have to be launching new routes across the country and stuff as well to fulfil those targets. So um, exciting times ahead, definitely. Great. And it's not all about holidays either. I mean, it's about business and executives who be looking at locating in Cork and bringing industry to Cork. They, they look at the air routes that are Absolutely. available into and do, do you factor that into your planning? We do like to be honest there's so many factors I always think the guys in our commercial teams have great minds on them and um, like I suppose you have to be cognizant that we are an island you know you can't cycle off it as, as Michael has said in the past yeah. um, so air travel is so fundamental for bringing any of that kind of thing in so as you say tourism holidays all relevant but also there is business travel is a huge part of what we do particularly when you look at um, like our kind of UK connections and stuff like that as well mm-hmm. um, because you will have a lot of people maybe coming over for the day or coming over <clears throat> sorry excuse me coming over to cover you know, a, a week here or whatever so I do think it's all relevant and definitely stuff that we do consider then as well. And um, like you can see, I don't have figures now in front of me at the moment, but you can see the different patterns and the reasons Brilliant. that people are travelling as well. So you know, we, we do kind of factor all of that in. All right. All right. Well, we look forward to the announcement, whatever it's going to be, that you say you can't tell me anything about it until it's actually <laughs> announced. Jade, we look forward to that. Thank you very much. And uh, Newcastle and Rome already announced out of Cork from Ryanair. They tell us they have more to come. Tomorrow, as I said earlier, I'll be talking to the new head of communications at the airport, a chap called Barry Holland. But it is, and it's, it's so great to see, because it was so sad to see that beautiful building and everyone connected to it. But it was so sad to see it deserted and empty uh, during the pandemic. And we always wondered, like, would would it ever get back to what it was? And would it ever reach its full potential again? And look at this. It's it's thriving. It's thriving and more to come. Good to see. 0818 96 96 96. I, I meant to tell you, we're getting closer. Getting very, very close indeed, in fact, to... Harry Styles. So you're listening out for, have I told you before what my favourite Harry Styles song is? Yes, I do have a favourite Harry Styles song. With a daughter like mine, you couldn't, but the guy's never off the speakers. But I do have a favourite Harry Styles song, and that's coming up what? I'd say in the next 20 minutes. And finally, Britney Spears says that she would rather do a number two in her pool than rejoin the entertainment business. Like she's adamant. She's no more, no more music, no, no. more nothing. We just played a song with her and Elton John about like forty minutes ago. Yeah, our pool cleaners have to put in overtime as well this week. <laughs> Oops, she did it again. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with No DC Cars Blackpool, exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noldc.com. Open twenty four seven. Christmas lights. Hi, PJ. Is it possible to have them battery powered? Yes, it absolutely is. You charge them up using solar, 
by day using that. That light that's out there now is enough to charge them up. You store the charge in the battery and you turn them on and use the battery. And when the battery goes dead, the lights go off. Yes, that is possible. Uh, Dennis says, I travel the road as a sales rep and all during the day I see wind turbines and they're not spinning. I was told they have to be turned on. I reckon there must be thousands of them not spinning. We could surely do with that electricity now. Might even solve the problem. What a terrible waste. Coming back to Stephen Teep, who was in talking about the new movie, Vicky. Um, The interview gave me chills. I hope everyone goes to see that film and go to see their doctor and get your cervical check done when you need to do it. Because as Stephen said, one thing that has happened as a result of the scandal a couple of years ago is that the quality of screening and the quality of everything else is so much higher now. And uh, having gone through cancer, Vicky is a mighty, beautiful, fantastic, strong lady and still no apology to her and to those other women from Dr. Holohan or from anybody. Shameful, says Shiona. 0818-969696. Sun, silver and styles. On Cork's 96FM. Yep. I love that tune. That's the kind of tune that tells you why he's the biggest pop star in the world at the moment. Late night talking. Harry Styles. Corks 96 FM. 0818969696 is the number for the show, but 0833969696 was the number you had to text to WhatsApp. Angela, are you there? Yeah, I am indeed. How are you? Good. Calling me from Dylan's Cross. I am indeed, PJ. Right. And it's your daughter. My daughter, Tanya. She's a Harry Styles fan. Right. Right. And she'd go to Rio, would she? Oh, she'd gladly go to Rio, PJ, for a break. Has she togs? Has she sunglasses? She has everything ready. Everything she needs. <laughs> everything she needs. Well, and, and you're even watching the radio for her. I am indeed, PJ. Good she deserves you. a PJ, to good. be fair. Good, good. Well, now, I am going to ask you a question. Okay. And I want you to give me the answer, because, Angela, you got to get Tanya through to our draw. Okay, PJ, perfect. Right. Before he joined One Direction, Harry Styles was in another band. And I want you to tell me what the name of that band was. Now, was it A, White Eskimo, or was it B, White Snake? Now, before, think a second or two before you answer, was it a white Eskimo, or was it B white snake? Was it? It was A white it Eskimo. It was A. Yeah, right. Hey, <laughs> hey. Woo-hoo. nice one. Thanks, nice one. PJ. Cheers, Angela. Tanya is true to the draw. All right. Brilliant, PJ. She's so happy. Oh, she's there in the background. Give her. Put her on the phone. Put her on the phone. Yeah, she's there. How are you, PJ? Hello there. How come Mammy's doing this for you? I'm doing it myself, PJ, and getting no call back. Well, you've got (laughs) one back now. I'm absolutely thrilled. And you know what I could do with a break away from the four kids as well? Four kids? (laughs) Four, yeah. Oh, five days in Rio is only the start for you, girl. 
Oh, Dad, I need 55 days. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're in the draw. That's the best I can do for you, all right? All right, thanks, PJ. Cheers, cheers. That's the, the Corcoran's happy people in Dylan's Cross. Tanya through to our draw for Sun, Samba and Styles. Five nights in Rio with the, f- the flights, the hotel, spending money and tickets to see Harry Styles Love on Tour on December the 8th. You're listening for the hits of Harry between 7am and 7pm. Then you text to WhatsApp and we'll call somebody back and that gets them into the draw. you got to be over 18. Simon will have one and Lorraine will have another one. More qualifiers throughout the day, every day here on Cork's 96FM. Now, to serious business because I need to get Charlie Weston's take on this a personal finance editor for the Irish Independent, because this is worrying. Reading where some mortgage holders could have their repayments hiked up 300 quid a month in the midst of a cost-of-living crisis. Some mortgage holders could be facing hikes of 300 a month. This is because of a decision by Finance Ireland. Charlie, what's going on here? Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, uh, Finance Ireland, a non-bank lender, uh, one of these kind of non-bank lenders, there's two or three of them, came into the market a couple of, a year or two ago and offered very competitive rates there for a long time, but all of a sudden they've got very expensive. And their new fixed rates are up to 4 5%, you know, uh, uh, very expensive, like their five-year fixed rate they announced on Monday was going up by two percentage points from 3.75 to 4.75. So that's nearly 5%. Uh, huge increases, increases of between one and a half and 2%. And the Finance Ireland have already increased rates once before already this year. So a lot of people who are in the process of switching to, to Finance Ireland or in the process of buying a house and drawing down funds uh, were told, look, unless your solicitor had asked for the funds uh, f- since last Friday, forget it, you're going to have to pay these higher rates. So a lot of people have been caught by this and then they're in the middle of buying a house and are switching and have had to pull out because it's just got too expensive for them uh, and they can't afford those kind of rates. You know? Surely so if you're Savage increases. Sh- brutal increases. Surely if you're currently on a fixed rate with Finance Ireland, just someone here is, have the mortgage for the past year on a fixed rate, surely they can't rent to the fixed rate you're already on. Oh, no, they're not. No, no, yeah, no, let's clear that up straight away, PJ. Sorry to rush in here now, but look, at if you're on an existing fixed rate, this does not affect you. This is just new fixed rates and the variable rate at that 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 lender goes up uh but it's not uh, if you're on an existing fixed rate you're fine and then some of those finance ireland fixed rates are 10 years or more They've, you know and then they're pretty competitive but it's it's like it's people who are taking out a, a, a new fixed rate uh you know maybe coming to an end of one uh, with finance ireland or as people are switching to Finance Ireland, or you know, people about to buy a house and we're drawing, we're hoping to draw down the funding from Finance Ireland. They're the ones who are affected here. The fear is now that we'll have others who'll put in um, big rate rises like that. But I suppose the big issue with this one, really, PJ, is there was no notice given that the new rates were with immediate effect. And you know, uh, if you're in the process of getting a mortgage from them, unless your solicitor had been requesting yeah. uh, already requested funds, you're going to be hit with these new higher rate so that's what really caught people here yeah if you're in the switching process uh, but you haven't quite had your funds yet you could be caught here 
You will be caught. Yeah, exactly. And let, you know, um, so I, you know, I've just been inundated by, with, 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 with people telling me, look at, we're in the course of drawing down a mortgage from Finance Ireland. This is just to hit us with, they give us no notice. They normally, a lender would say, look at, you know, yeah, we're increasing our rates. It'll take effect in four weeks. You know, you have four weeks to get it sorted out, get your solicitor to get in the funds request. But with this one, it's just immediate. The shutters came down immediately. Yeah. Uh, you have no time to do anything. And, you know, so a lot of people have been caught here in, in this and it's collapsed a lot of house buying deals. But I thought, Charlie, and this is probably a stupid question, but, you know, I was at one stage, I was the guy on the bus. And you know what I mean by that? I was the fellow on the mm, bus saying, mm. I don't know what to try. So, like when you're in the process of switching or getting a mortgage, surely when your solicitor has the approval done for you, there's a rate on that piece of paper. That's not locked in stone, no? That's a good question. No, it's not. You get approval in principle at the start of the process from a lender. They say, look, you're good for funds. We think you're a good prospect. Uh, and our current rates at the moment are X, Y, Z, you know, 2.2, 2.5, whatever. But the rate you get is not the rate that they approve you for. It's the rate that you get a drawdown. So when it comes to the, you're in a position to draw it down, when the contracts are signed, your solicitor has all the documents into the lender, uh, everything is, you know, the lender is happy with everything, all your the salary statements, et cetera, have been submitted and approved. It's the rate of drawdown. And at the moment, there's such a lag. There's so many people trying to switch that there's, it's taken forever right. to process to process um, um, mortgage applications, whether they're new buyers or switchers. There's a real delay. So this right. is what's happening here. People are getting caught by wow. the, the delay that that's happening in, in, in trying to approve people. So your approval... They're trying to get them to over the line. So it's not just the approval, PJ. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your approval might have been for 3% or 3.5%, but by the time all, everything goes through legally, you could be up to 4.5%. Yeah, exactly. And it's not necessarily solicitors taking forever here. Sometimes it's, it's, it's the lenders taking forever to process this stuff. You're absolutely right. You might have been approved for 3% or 3.5%. But by the time, uh, you know, you actually get to draw down the funds, mm-hmm. interest rates will probably have gone up. Because as we know, the European Central Bank is busy increasing its rates. It's had, yeah. had two jumbo rate rises already. Uh, you know, one of them half percent, one of them three quarters of a percent. It's it's threatening more. So this is a real problem for people, you know, in, in the process at the moment. Uh, oh, God, you know, but by the time we come to draw down the mortgage, what rate will they will they give us? You know, mm-hmm. they currently have a rate of X, but will it be higher? And and it's frightening and it's a sleepless nights for people who Indeed. are in the process of switching or trying to sign a house deal mm-hmm. to buy a house as first time buyers. So. It's very unfortunate. It's yeah. very messy. For, and the central bank, I've asked them, what well, you know, listen, you know, can people not be given a bit of notice? Like Avant Money did this a while ago. They said we're increasing our rates, but you know, we, we'll accept the rates. You know, we'll give you the rates we have at the moment for four weeks if you can get it sorted out in four weeks. They gave a bit of notice. It that that's the decent thing to do. But Finance Ireland said no. Look at the rates are going up with immediate effect from today. That was last Monday. Right. Uh, hard, hard luck. If, and the if, central if bank has no power to say no, lads. You can't do that. Well, I, I think they. I think they should be doing something about this because under their consumer protection code, there's all sorts of rules about you know treating uh, customers with. Uh, you know, we, we, we putting the interests of, cons- of consumers, uh, g- making giving some consideration to that. There's various rules around that. I think to act like this is in breach of the code, but they wouldn't come back to me with, with any response. Okay. Charlie, 
you mentioned ECB and we've had two hikes and there's pretty much guaranteed they'll have at least one more. A number of years ago, you told me and anybody listening that had one to hold on to your tracker mortgage and let them prize it off you out of your cold, dead hands. Do you still stand <laughs> over that, Charlie Weston? No, it's changed, I'm afraid. And, you know, the, when the facts change, you know, the advice has to change. They, they People got 11 years of good years. And I'm one of them, like yourself, PJ. I had, a, I had a good tracker. It was great for a while. Never had to worry about it. Rates didn't change for years. 11 years of, of good value. For some people now, they may not be at such good value. You need to take good, independent advice uh, and, you know, d- 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 look at the situation. Everybody's situation is going to be different because it really depends on what the, what's their margin over the European Central Bank rate. So, you know, some people have half percent over, they pay an additional half percent over the European Central Bank rate. Others pay one percent over the European Central Bank rate. Others pay even more. So, you need to sit down with, with, with a good independent broker. You may need to pay them a fee and just say, look, at how much have you outstanding? What's the loan to value on your house? Uh, you know, is it worth switching? Will it, will it, you know, by the time you do get a switch sorted out, uh, will, you, will you end up just on, on a higher rate? Or could you just lock into a fixed rate with your current lender? Yeah. It won't work with me. I was with the old um, uh, uh, Northern, Northern Bank, which became... Um, the the the, the um, Danske Bank, Norwegian Bank, and uh, it's now with Pepper, and they don't offer you any options. So, you know, I have a tracker, and if I want to get out of out of it, I'd have to go to another lender. And how long would that take? Yeah. Is it worth doing? You know, yeah. so it's a difficult dilemma. You have to take decent advice on it. PJ right. is what I'd say. Okay. Lastly, is all this movement on interest rates is it doing anything to stabilise prices for houses? Uh, I don't know is the answer and it'll take a while if it does you know but it it should do anyway and we have the Economic and Social Research Institute saying this morning they reckon house prices are overvalued a bit you know the fact that interest rates are going up and people have less money to spend should see house prices stabilise and that's what the ESRI are saying look at you know the the crazy rates of increase we've been having up to now 13-14% that's not sustainable Uh, prices will will, will stabilise a bit and and maybe will still continue to go up because there's huge demand there but not at those crazy rates that we're seeing at the moment that's the expectation Okay. as always thank you Charlie Weston, personal finance editor with the Irish Independent. If you think we're bad, I was listening to a phone in the other night on an English radio station about mortgages over there, and some guy said that the fixed rate, the best fixed rate he can get right now in a mortgage, is 6%. And it's all after Quasi Quarting and Liz Truss co piloted the country into the side of a mountain last week. That That's all. Oh my God. I think we're bad. Look at them. 0818 96 96 96. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. We're always interested in people's strange hobbies and always looking out for the strangest one we can find. I'm not too sure we'll beat this for a while. Underwater hockey, Barry Murray. What the hell? Good morning. Morning. Well, PJ, it's good morning. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all uh, right. Welsh accent there, I'm hearing. The so a Welshman has I, brought I, under- I, I, Go ahead. Welshman brought underwater hockey to Cork. Well, I, would, I don't hold sole credit to it. There's one other guy who's guilty as well. But, uh, 
yeah, we've been playing for 10 years in Bayfield and uh, it's a pretty fun sport. Have you heard of it before, PJ? Never heard of it before. I've heard of ice hockey. My daughter plays hockey on the green. Uh, I've heard of ice hockey. I've watched them both on television. But no, I've never heard of underwater hockey. To me, it sounds about as sensible as underwater snooker. So tell me more. So, yeah, so it's a very straightforward game. And I think you'd have a lot more in comparison to ice hockey in that you play within a court, which is the bottom of the pool. And the court is enclosed, just the walls of the pool. And you play in the bottom of the pool with uh, snorkel, fins, a short stick, a mask so you can see what you're doing, and a glove to protect your hand from the tiles of the pool. And we use a a lead puck on the bottom of of the swimming pool to score goals. And that's what we pass amongst each other. Who devised this madness? Well, it goes back to the 50s, and uh, there was a group of divers in, in Southampton, and what they used to do is they used to go dive in through the summer months, and their equipment was probably pretty homemade at the time. They used to sew their own wetsuits up, so it got too cold for swimming in the in the sea in the winter for them. So they went to the pool, and they devised a game to keep them fit, and it used to be called Octopush, because there used to be eight players in the team, and the, the, the puck used to be called a squid. And uh, the goals were called goals, and they used to have it all Nautilus themed, but they changed it over the years and it's progressed to six aside with four substitutes which roll. Uh, the puck is now very, very good. To, it's plastic coated and moves very, very well. And it's gone from Southampton to all over the world. Really? So there's a, there's a world a world scene in this. Are there are there teams in Cork? What story? Yeah, there's one team in Cork um, with the Cork Underwater Hockey Club and. We've been playing in Mayfield for a long time. And we started, we, we we didn't really know how to play. I knew and my friend knew how to play, Dave Hearn. He knew how to play, so we recruited players at the start. And they'd be looking at you as if you're insane or something, you know, because it's just <laughs> m- a mad concept, as you could have said. But it's actually pretty good fun. Yeah. Um, and if you like swimming and you get bored of swimming in lanes or you're a lapsed club swimmer, this is a great way to get back getting fit and back playing sport and involved in swimming again and a lot of the players they do a lot of sea swimming and some of them are in local swimming clubs as well so it just right. breaks up the monotony of lane swimming There was a fabulous picture alright on, on Yay Cork of it I'd say you would get very fit Oh you would be surprising how you get fit and like we would we had our first beginner course we started beginner course there last night we had 10, 10 new players and in that course we swam 2 kilometres and you wouldn't even know you'd swam it. Get and out a lot of, of that is on the bottom of the pool Yeah yeah, you you wouldn't even know you'd done it. Yeah, right. It's a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, and uh, you're the fins on, and you're swimming, and you're learning something new, and it's very exciting. And we've travelled. Yeah. Uh, we've been to France. We've been to Wales. We've been to Scotland. The Dublin team. There's a few teams in Dublin. There's right. one in Queens, in Belfast, and one in Limerick. Oh, they do you compete? To, to, the team. Barcelona. We weren't competitive to start off with PJ. We went to our friends up in Dublin who were very supportive of us, but we were kitted out pretty good. We looked good. We all had red shorts and we had swimsuits on, so we looked good. But they put 20 goals past us in every game. They'd only be laughing. We'd be half drowning. But it was very good with us. And then our famous year, 2015, we beat them three in a row. And, you know, they couldn't even believe they got beaten. And then they said, oh, look, to be fair, we were well beaten, but we'd worked hard at it. And none of those players had ever played before, and they'd all got to that stage. And in two or three seasons, we'd gone from being hammered to, to beating the best team in the country. Would you have to be able to hold your breath for ages, like? 
Not really. I mean, there was a free diving record sat just recently, wasn't there? Just yesterday or the day before, and that lady held a breath for over two and a half minutes. Saw that. So the idea is you're swimming quite fast, and you down for 20 seconds or 30 seconds, you come up, and when you get tired, and like ice hockey, there's running substitutions, you sub out to your friend and they come in and they swim along and when they get tired they sub out and of course like any sport you are you're not supposed to hold on to the ball forever you're supposed to pass it so you're not always got possession and you're in your positions or whatever and you get a bit of a break then and when you get too tired you sub out with your friends so yeah you don't have to hold it forever 20 30 <laughs> seconds is fine it sounds it sounds like like an awful lot of fun and a serious workout if you do play a full game like you said two kilometers i mean crikey yeah, and you're sprinting it a lot of the time and you're holding your breath, so it's a good anaerobic workout as well. And a lot of people like that. And, and you know, in the winter, you're looking for things to do in the dark nights. You can't go running or cycling and you can't go see some in the evenings any longer. So it's a nice thing to do in the winter and it's very sociable. Even though you're not talking when you're underwater, they, the team are very good crack and they're very kind. And they bring new players along with them and uh, we're looking for players all the time. It's on for six weeks that you're doing this recruitment, but do you play all all year round or is that just introduce people for the next six weeks? Well, the next six weeks, we're not going to take any new players on for the next six weeks. We've got our new course members, so we're starting from scratch with them, so we don't want new players parachuting into the middle of what they're doing. But at the end of that course, we'll take them on a one-by-one basis. And so the start of December onwards, we'll start, you know, if the players want to come up and have a look, if you want to come along, you should come. You Can you swim? I can swim, actually, yeah, I can swim, um, and I used to swim a lot for exercise, but because of uh, my neck, I, I stopped, but this might be a way to try it again. This would be a great way you could bring your microphone and do a podcast. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> Not underwater, no, Peter. No, I was That's thinking that. <laughs> 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 I know, yeah. <laughs> I like you can't really do sign language on your radio. It doesn't really work, does it? No, I don't. No, I don't. No, no. Do you know what? I, I, I might, I, I might, I might be tempted enough to give this a go because it sounds crackers enough to at least pop along for a look. We'll stay in touch, Barry, and good luck with the Cork Underwater Hockey Club. It is a thing, a mad thing, a crazy thing, a daft thing, but an increasingly popular thing. Underwater hockey. You do it up in Mayfield. Tell you. If if you gave me that on a April the first and it said you were taking the whatever. But no, it's real. It is real. Thanks, Barry. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. A few more lights. The lights questions and the whether we can do the lights and the energy. Just to say if they turned off the traffic lights in the morning and afternoon, they'd save electricity. Traffic would probably flow better. There'd be less pollution. We'd get home for dinner early. Actually, is is it me? Is it just me? Or is traffic completely bonkers now? Completely and utterly mad around the city. And around the suburbs. I was in Douglas. Was it last week or the week before? On a Friday night, I'd nipped out to the shop, to the off-license. And I was on my way home about 10 or 5 to 9, going through Douglas. And it was like, it was like talk fair going through the place. And I'm just thinking that as we get closer to Christmas, which is only 79 days away, that's like 11 weeks, traffic is going to get just mad altogether. 0818 96 96 96. Speaking of lights, the Christie Ring Bridge lights haven't been working since September of 2019. Have they not now? 
Any chance you get that sorted, especially coming back into another winter, says P. Well, P, uh, I'm not... That's kind of above my pay grade to get them sorted. But telling people that they haven't worked since 2019 is where these things get started. Thank you. 0818969696. Now, we covered this earlier in the year where about 10,000 people had signed a petition to go against uh, planning permission for a wind farm overlooking Lugonbarra. There's nothing wrong with the wind farm, they say, but it's where it is, overlooking beautiful Barra. News has broken this morning that the permission, has it been withdrawn, overturned? Neil Lucy is at Barra Hotel. What has happened, Neil? Morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, thanks for taking this on board again. We're really thankful for all your support. Um, what has happened um, with the... the Originally, originally, way back in time, um, the developer went through Cork County Council and was refused planning permission for a wind farm uh, over the edge of Cougambara, on the southern rim, as we call it. And uh, it was appealed uh, to onboard Planola, and um, they went against the advice of Cork County Council on their submissions on their own planning inspector, on their on, on advice from Fall Turland and many, many more, and all of us as well, saying this is not a good idea. And they... they, they, they uh, um, offered planning permission they had a, a quick snap decision in February and they offered planning permission to the developer to go ahead and we then took them we then decided as a Christian as, a as an organisation out here that we had to do something more about it so we got together and we got so, so many people contacted us so we got 10,000 signatures within, within a couple of days it was amazing the reaction international reaction even and we applied for judicial review through the high court and we were granted that in the end of April. Uh, and then we started fundraising for that. And yesterday, out of the blue, there was, um, we were waiting for papers back from board Planola, and they conceded uh, on the High Court action, which was absolutely amazing. So there it stops in the High Court. Wow. So it, it, it was great, great, great news for us yesterday and today. It is fantastic. And the reaction is huge to it. And I think campaigners were at pains to say, this is not about an objection to wind energy. This is about where you wanted to put it, correct? Exactly. And it was against on board Planola because it was, they granted permission for this wind farm in this location, which everybody was saying, no, no, no. So it, it was against their decision, that, that office in Dublin that actually made that snap decision last February. Mm-hmm. That's what we had the issue with. Yeah. It was, it was big. So this is, and that was the case within the High Court as well, was their decision-making. That's what a judicial review is. Now, as you well know, Neil, you'll have heard of planning decisions. I speak of one in particular, an incinerator that simply will not go away yeah. from Ringeskiddy and keeps ending up back in the process. Is there any danger this will end up back in the process? There, there, there is chances there that, there that the developers will, will, will reapply again, but it's a, it's a new application, it's a new case at this point. This one has been stopped at, at the High Court through on board Planola. So this is, this is the really, really good news where we are today. What happens in the future? And for all the other planning permissions that will come in for all the valleys around us, we, we have no hold or take on that. But for the moment, this is a win for us as a Christian against on board Planola. Mm-hmm. This is a win for the people. This is a win for democracy. Yeah, this is a win for, for people of, of the 
area, which, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, they, they say that people power doesn't achieve things and sometimes it doesn't. But on this occasion, it has. It has. And there is so there is so many people like we we'll say local, national, international that just absolutely love Gugambar mm. and love it for the sanctuary that it is. Lovely for the love it for the peace and quiet. Love it for that walk, that that fishing in the lake, whatever. Not not commercial with us because we would still be there. But for all the other reasons, for pilgrimage, for everything. That I mean, it it it, it, it is. We're so glad that our decision has 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 come right. Mm. Yeah, it's like wind, look, wind farms are part of our landscape and will be will be for the future. But let's be careful where we put them and certainly. Exactly. And that's another discussion, and that that would be a great discussion to have. Not you not, know. not theirs as you. Not yeah, there. not today. And, yeah, and, and not today. Neil, thank you. Neil thank Lucy you. Uh, from the Gugan Barra Hotel. That controversial plan to put a wind farm overlooking beautiful Gugan. That's gone, scrapped off the table for now, at the very least, but off the table. And thanks to the 10,000 campaigners who signed a petition to get that stopped, they've managed to get it stopped. Uh, we have found, we think we've found, because it's on Facebook, it's come into us, uh, Cork's cheapest pint. We were looking for this yesterday. I'll give it to you in a second. Uh, but this came in. My mortgage went up from 605 a month to 850 Holy moly! That's a split mortgage. I'm praying they won't hike it up anymore. Tough times balancing income and outgoings for many, PJ. Very scary stuff. That's from D. Yeah, I'm on a tracker and we've had two hikes in the last while. Uh, it's gone up, probably gone up 100 quid a month or something. But 250 euro in one jump. That's scary, D. That's scary. 0818969696. Let me just clear some stuff because we had lots of your comments uh, today. John says it's a great street, his old Plunker Street, but I just wonder about the minimalistic vibe that's in vogue by this drive to be just like Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. Solar Christmas lights is a suggestion. I mean, look out there now. That's That light is enough to charge a battery which would drive solar lights. The problem is the batteries are damned expensive and you'd want a lot of them. But still, there's our suggestion earlier from Councillor Jerk Yahan that councillors would give money out of their ward funds to fund the Christmas lights for 2022. A few more things on uh, concrete tax and others that we'll just hold over because we've been busy this morning really busy which is good to see programme edited by Emer O'Hay produced and researched by Fergal Barry it's Friday tomorrow see you then just after nine The Cork Diary on Cork's 96 FM Douglas Credit Union will be hosting their third annual charity 5k run this Sunday the 9th of October at Tremor Valley Park all proceeds from the event will go towards Felicon and Cork Cancer Care Centre the run starts at 11am and to register check out popupraces.ie If you have an event you would like mentioned email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt Now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 